And then I graduated at a time that there was a, a deep recession and it was really hard to get jobs. And I thought, oh, as a woman engineer, I'll have no problem, but it really wasn't like that. I basically wallpapered my whole house with my rejection letters. So I found myself trying to figure out the next thing. And I actually did finally get a job designing battle tanks, of all things. Can you repeat that, battle tanks? I was designing battle tanks for FMC out in California. Like an actual tank, you mean, for war? Yeah, the Bradley fighting vehicle. Unbelievable. That's Felicia Rubenstein. She describes how she found a white space among the bro working culture and created a place she'd like to work. Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked, I'm excited to introduce you to Felicia Rubenstein, who is the founder of Haven, a co-working space located in Darien, Connecticut. Felicia has a fascinating background studying engineering, designing battle tanks, we'll get to that later, worked in marketing at Apple, opened up her own marketing agency, and now decided to create a co-working space that she'd want to work in. Haven opened May 2019, and they were just hitting their stride when the pandemic hit. You can only imagine it being a tough sell when you're in the business of offering in-person collaboration and physical workspaces at a time when remote working and social distancing were the only ways to live. But Felicia and her team kept Haven afloat by doubling down on the tight-knit community they've created. This is a story about astute problem-solving, building a strong brand, and creating a place that truly sets their members up for success. There's lots to cover, so let's dig in. Before we get into what you've been up to at Haven, I'd really love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and a little bit about your backstory, you know, what led you to even start Haven and all of that. First off, thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed the podcast and I'm um, oh, excited. And it's something that I wish that I had had a long time ago to listen to when I was starting my um, marketing agency. So just a little bit about my background. It's very eclectic. I always wanted to be an inventor. At that point, there wasn't anything called an entrepreneur. Mm. So the closest I could get was to study engineering and technology, which that was the idea of becoming like a scientist and an inventor. So I went to school for mechanical engineering and there was very few women in this space at the time. So wow. there was like four women in my class out of 50, which I don't think it's really changed too much since then. <laughs> but, Probably not. No, but when I graduated college, I realized I didn't really love the whole engineering field as much as I any job that I gravitated to. I was always doing like all the marketing and figuring out how to sell t-shirts for an engineering company or different things like that. But I wound up working at this place. Everybody was sitting there sleeping at their desks, but there was a computer in the back area that I said, oh, I kind of want to learn this. And I became like the person that learned all the computer-aided design and manufacturing. And that kind of led me to a job teaching the world how to use CAD CAM. And so I traveled around the world doing that. And then eventually wound up at Apple Computer, which I absolutely loved. So I'm just kind of saying this path because someone had told me like obstacles create your path. So like every obstacle that I hit, I kind of created another space for myself, you know, not thinking where I was going to go, but it, everything kind of has led to that. So 
I wound up working for Apple Computer doing business development and marketing. Really loved that. But at like age 30-ish, I found myself starting to want to have a family. And I was commuting into New York City at that time. And it was really hard to deal with having my son and working in a corporate environment. So I found myself leaving corporate, but not intending to ever leave the business world. So I love my Apple computer. And I said, what can I do with this? I knew how to do slide presentations. So I started just doing freelance work. And this is really before people were working at home doing freelance work. Sure. So I found myself starting to do a lot of PowerPoint slides for other people. I connected with another woman and we decided to start a business helping people do slides. And then that turned to websites went back to school, learned graphic design and did logos and branding. I always loved art. So this just fit in really well. And if I had known about branding at that point, I would have started with that. (laughs) But I kind of fell into that. And uh, we started an agency. And this is really before people were kind of working remotely and doing the virtual world. So the two of us started it, we grew it to 16 women. And we all worked day and night. And had all sorts of clients, nonprofit, corporate, small business. And we discovered that we really needed a space to call our own. We were all working out of our houses. And this is kind of how it kind of came full circle to what I've created now. We pieced together a co-working space before co-working was a word. So we used an office space and pretended that that was our office to have meetings. So we set it up and looked official. And we did events at the space, but it really wasn't our own. And we were somewhat embarrassed about it, but, you know, (laughs) but it it worked. (laughs) Wait, why were you embarrassed about it? We were embarrassed because as women doing this and, you know, we were still juggling all our kids and everything else. We never felt like we were really real in our company, even though we wound up having about 80 clients. We, you know, brought in a lot of business, but it just didn't because we were piecing it together. Okay, let's just start with the fact that Felicia completely glosses over the fact that she was designing battle tanks as an engineer. She sounds real sweet, but that's a total badass move right there. Okay, moving on. But then Felicia went on to say something that really resonated with me, which was every obstacle that she hit, she created another space for herself. Felicia went into complete problem-solving mode at every turn in her career. She made obstacles, opportunities, instead of barriers. When she talks about her marketing agency, Maven, it almost sounded like they had a touch of imposter syndrome that many women in business feel. Here you had 16 women winning 80 clients, creating a thriving agency for over a decade, and they still felt like it wasn't a real business because they weren't in a quote-unquote real space. However, that was the seminal experience which led Felicia eventually to starting Haven. So that was kind of like the beginning of what I've created now was this co-working idea. What happened was about five years ago, I decided I was tired of having my own marketing business and I wanted to go work for someone else. So having your own business is not always so easy. So I actually got a job in New York City working for a software company as the director of marketing. I did that for three years, but I really missed my friends of the small business I had. And I didn't really understand the whole political situation of working for a corporation and not having your own business again. But then they were um, brought out to California and they hired a new 
marketing director. So I found myself for the first time in a very long time, not knowing what I wanted to do next, (laughs) which was really nice to have that pause. And my family had said, look, you've been working your whole life, take a break. So I took a year and just wandered the city, listened to tons of podcasts, my favorite being How I Built This. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. And I listened to a story from Miguel from WeWork, just talking about how he designed WeWork. And I hadn't really heard of co-working at that point, but I'm like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. But then I went looking at all the WeWorks to say, oh, you know, maybe you need to focus on women. And I didn't see that they were doing that at all, but I didn't see them interested in it. So that's how I kind of decided to design my own space, a place that I would want to work. Before I start asking my questions, can you just tell the audience definitively, what is Haven? So Haven is a co-working flexible workspace where professionals can connect, create, and collaborate. And it's women-centric, but men are absolutely allowed and welcome. And during this time, during the post-pandemic, as you've said in your past podcast, you really have to pivot with some of these things. For sure. I would love to understand, what was it about you visiting the WeWork spaces and you thinking that you needed to develop a women-centric space? Basically, they kind of joke around and call it bro working. <laughs> There's a couple of things. You want to get a space that you feel comfortable. And it's the same thing like when we had our own business and I felt like it wasn't real. What we go through a lot of times as women is you don't always feel that your businesses are totally legit or you talk about them differently. You deal with money differently and you have to wrap in your whole work-life balance into what you're doing. So I just didn't feel that they were recognizing that you have other parts to your life, as well as I didn't feel like there was that warm, fuzzy, nurturing type. It was more like a coolness about it. Right. I see what you're saying. I love the term bro working. I've never heard of that before. That's amazing. What exact problem were you looking to solve? And why is that important? And then kind of the follow up to that is, When did you know, when was that aha moment of when you knew that you were actually solving a problem for a lot of people, not just you and like your friends? There's a couple of ahas. Basically, when I was wandering around New York City, thinking about what could I do next? What are my, what makes me different than other people and what I can bring to the table? I mean, Haven, basically, if you just see it, it's a space that I feel comfortable in, that I want to be in. And I think that's kind of creating the authentic, true place. It's not, I created it for my niche (laughs) and maybe it was for my friends. Well, I've been there and it seems like there's more than just your friends there. So it definitely is solving a problem for other people. But I feel like there's so many people like me out there. And the more I talk to people, like I did spend a lot of time going to women events every night of the week before I opened Haven. I, there's like 58 women's groups in Fairfield County. And I probably joined every single group and went to every single activity. And as a business owner, too, previously, when I was starting my entrepreneur journey, I didn't know where to go for what. And I was confused, like, you know, you can go to you know, SCORE for something, the SBDC for something. And I just felt like there, it needed to be simplified. And there should be like one central place for people to go to figure all this out and have all those contacts. I, I envision us as a hub for all of that. Can you talk a little bit about when you're talking about the hub in terms of the offerings of Haven and who you have there in terms of subject matter experts, et cetera? Haven has something for wherever you are in your personal professional journey. 
So whether you're just starting out in your career or relaunching your career, we have training programs that you can take, which we call Haven Half Times, as well as we have counselors in-house, like the Small Business Development Center, to help you and guide you through your business. And we also have partnerships with SCORE and some other people. So we have community there that can help out. We have Haven Mavens, I call them. And every day of the week, there's a different maven or that can offer professional counseling, Thoughtful Thursdays, Marketing Mondays, Finance Fridays. So again, that's more for the educational area. We also have, if you just want to roll up your sleeves and work, we have 20 private offices. And these days, that's probably the most popular because everybody's just on Zoom all day. Right. And we have meeting rooms that you can rent by the hour of the day, so you don't have to be a member of the space. And now with COVID, I'm creating some other packages just because the world is changing and the way people are work are changing. Part of building a community around a brand starts with offering value to your customers. Haven didn't stop at free coffee and couches. There's a rigor behind the programs that they offer to members on a weekly basis, ensuring a range that appeals to both startups and seasoned companies looking to go next level. Baking in this resource hub into a membership is the way Haven cements brand loyalty and creates that customer tribe all marketers covet. Members know Haven has their back for whatever their business throws at them. We can't forget that a company's role is to create the space for their tribe to flow in and join the brand. So just walk me through, you've opened this wonderful space and now the world has screeched to a halt and shut down and all of the things that you stood for and created, which was about in-person collaboration and physical spaces and all of that is now completely on hold. Walk me through what was going on in your mind at that stage. I think I was kind of oblivious to it at the beginning. Well, we all were, yeah. No, I just remember, I think that week, one of my neighbors in the space next door had come over and brought some cakes over to me. And she says, I hope that you make it through this, you know, with flying colors. <laughs> that was like the doom and gloom of this. Oh my goodness. And then everything closed down. We had opened May, 2019. That was our official opening. So we were just really ramping up March. We were obviously the strongest ever. It was really exciting. I had thousands and thousands of dollars in bookings for like the, the whole rest of the summer. Yeah. And then, you know, people just started calling and, and canceling meetings, canceling events, and we closed down. And my husband wound up getting the virus oh, no. a few weeks, probably March 20th or something like that. Oh, so we were dealing with that. And then I actually wound up getting it after that. It was crazy. So he was upstairs sick with the virus. I was downstairs on the phone trying to listen to everything, every PPP story, you know, no. listening to the government, trying to figure out what's going on. And then thinking that I need to pivot. You know, I just didn't take a breath. I wasn't really sleeping. And that's kind of the way I work anyway. And probably like most entrepreneurs, like, okay, so what does this mean? And, and what can I do? So we were doing um, these Haven Lunch and Learns, which is what you were at, yeah. in-house. 
So it was one of the things on my mind anyway to do at some point was to turn it virtual. So March 25th or whatever, some of my advisors suggested that we just, they'll start doing these online. So I wound up creating these Haven half times and we did them every day from March 25th or whatever till the beginning of the summer. Every day at lunchtime, we brought a different member and a different expert. And we brought the local government officials in and no one else was doing it at the very beginning. So we were kind of the place to go. It was just a way to touch base. I said, okay, we're here for a half hour. We'll feature someone and we can just keep it on to to keep talking. Yeah. So while I was doing that, also trying to figure out funding and how to pivot. And at the same time, a couple of my staff who had immune deficiencies had said, I can't come and work anymore. I can't help anymore. <laughs> but I had asked them if they could just like call all the members and do check-ins with them. And after that, so we turned it all virtual. The staff worked virtually. Right. Like we had one person just calling every member, just seeing how they're doing. The other one, we were working on how to set up the operations for the Zoom calls. We were delivering like breakfasts to people. Little, We would do members breakfast online and deliver scones to everybody's house. Okay. So we wound up keeping a majority of the people, which was phenomenal. I, and they were, I got on, you know, told stories to people, broke down in tears, <laughs> just thanked them all for being part of our community. And they stuck with us for this. And we really have pivoted. I've also, one of my advisors is, a facilities maintenance specialist. So she helped me redo the whole space. I had to figure out how to de-densify, create the hand sanitizers everywhere, add touchless sinks. Yeah. We had to move out furniture and we did little video clips on that. So there's a lot, you know, I, I, I still haven't rested. I feel like we're <laughs> um, almost back what we are back to where we were in that March timeframe. And we've actually doubled in members. Great. Yeah. We created a lot of virtual people, but I can tell you right now, they are coming in this week. We've had a member's breakfast. We have a happy hour today. People are just like, I am so ready and so thankful that you're still here. This is a prime example of how businesses had to quickly pivot while still offering value to customers during the pandemic. Even going virtual, Haven never wavered from their brand promise of offering a welcome space for professionals. Through daily touch bases with members, they were able to connect and help each other stay informed and offer resources as business priorities constantly shifted. And perhaps the biggest branding lesson to take away here is it's often the little things that makes a brand memorable. It's the classic surprise and delight your customer. In Haven's case, it was delivering scones to members' doorsteps or just calling them to make sure all is okay. The secret to successful branding isn't actually a secret. It's being human and treating people the way that you want to be treated. I really am excited about the whole co-working world. The way when I was originally studying co-working and they were saying by 20 30, you know, the world will know that they can work remotely. Mm -hmm. So now it's like everybody's working from home, but they are feeling very isolated. And, you know, my quote in my office says, isolation is a dream killer. And people want to get out. Do they want to get out all the time? No, they want to work somewhere a couple days a week and 
be at home the other day. So I feel like this is really an opportunity right now. And what I have been just trying to do is just maintain so I can be there when the demand starts coming. Unfortunately, been a lot of people that have closed their co-working spaces. It's just a matter of conserving cash and just holding on. Yeah. But right now, I want to open more spaces. And I think it's an opportune time because there's a lot of buildings available and, and companies not going back to work. Yeah. And a lot of these people have never even heard of co-working or thought about it. But in New York City, people are not going to go back and commute there, but they do want to go a couple of days a week or the company needs them there. Yep. So I think we're the perfect model for that. So I, I am looking at spaces and working on how I can do this but in a safer way for me financially. Yeah. I really am looking for partners to do this with me. I feel like I have the brand. I have the operations knowledge. If someone, if a landlord knows that the landlords now are all looking at doing co-working, but there's a difference between doing co-working, like putting just like a space and saying, yeah, no, versus you really need to know how to build community. And that's why I think so many people stayed and I was able to grow it because I was building a community that people want to be there versus, you know, just having a cold space where you go in and no one cares or says hello or offers you a cup of coffee or things like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've built a community around a brand, you know, the brand is the glue that's holding all of that together. So since this is a marketing and branding podcast, let's talk about branding. Did your agency background kick in when you started to brand yourself? Did you brand yourself or did you actually hire people to help you? Tell me about that. It's kind of a combination. So a lot of the people that were at my old company when I owned my marketing agency are behind helping me with this. So where I was like the project manager and the biz dev person for that. Now I just did Haven and came up with the name. But one of the designers who I absolutely love, she actually has an office in the space, but she does all my branding for me. And we just get it with each other. I just said, okay, this is the name. You just come up with the logo and she does all the collateral for it. And it feels it. Yes. Yeah. It's a, a tight. And I, I wanted it to be five letters. So that's how I came up with the name. And I was so lucky to get Haven as the name. It's spelled funny. So people always spell it wrong. It's the H-A-Y in the middle, V-N. And that was on purpose so I could buy the URL and do all the things that I knew that you had to do for branding. I talk about branding in terms of your DNA, your raw truth, and how that should be expressed out in the marketplace. And so if I'm thinking about Haven, when I think about raw truth, what are your non-negotiable beliefs? You know, what are the things that you hold up higher than business objectives, marketing objectives? What is that thing that you hold up at Haven? What's the most important is that we are warm and welcoming. And that it's customer service and that when you come in, you feel like you're at home and and comfortable. So that's what people say when they come in and they're like, this just feels so homey and bright and cheery. And that's exactly the logo does it, the lighting, the furniture, the people that we hire, everything Mm -hmm. is all about just making you feel like you're at home. That's perfect. Are you targeting a certain type of person or companies? I had a target market pre-pandemic. Right. You know, it was really women professionals or that want to be professionals and need that support. But it's not just women that need that right now. So it runs a gamut. We have people in real estate, people that are lawyers, people are accountants, professionals, as well as a lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. 
But we also have a lot of corporate people too, who don't want to go back to the office. Yeah. But anybody who just needs that help and feels comfortable. I mean, you can tell when someone comes in and this is not going to be the right place for them. And that's kind of how co-working is. It's kind of like a coffee shop or a gym. You know where you fit. So people walk in and they're like, oh, yeah, this feels like a place I want to be. And it makes me happy. Author of The Brand Gap, Marty Neumeyer, aptly defines a brand as a gut feeling. The way Felicia describes Haven is exactly that. It's how she wants people to feel when they walk in the door. Anyone can open a space with desks and conference rooms, but brand differentiation is about offering the same, only different. It's not about offering more necessarily. It's just about understanding where the holes are in people's lives and using the brand to fill it. For Haven, it's about hiring a team with emotional intelligence to create a welcoming space, anticipating the needs of professionals, and having an understanding that we're not machines. We bring our whole selves to work every day. So they offer services such as access to a fitness center and HR and payroll benefits and professional counseling if you need it. Those are just a few examples of how Haven is outmaneuvering the competition. Let's talk a little bit about the types of marketing tactics that you've used since you started Haven and, you know, the ones that have worked, there's some things that you might've tested and learned and you're like, mm, I'm not going to do that anymore. My original thought for marketing was basically a lot of networking and event-driven marketing. You really have to do everything. And so I kind of scattershot it. and maybe that's a problem knowing marketing. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's, I always like the next best, best trip. I'm spending a lot of time right now because since COVID, I hadn't planned to do so much of this on um, Google ads and um, Google analytics, but we've done email marketing. I spent a lot of time on SEO where I'm not doing print advertising. I just feel like that's kind of a waste, but we had been doing a lot of almost guerrilla marketing where we just go around and put postcards in the coffee shops and on at the train stations and different places like that too. I think in terms of our target market, LinkedIn is really good. Mm -hmm. So I do spend a bit of time on that as well. And when you say that you spend time on it, are you doing sponsored ads and that kind of thing? Or is it more thought leadership from you and outreach? Yeah, more outreach. We do post events. They have some cool ways that you can post and invite people to events. So we have a lot of activity and I've created a lot of energy and activity to make people want to see that ours is a place that's still happening and a place to be. So we have different tiers and offerings where we have private offices, meeting rooms that you can rent, co-working space, open space, dedicated desks. And we have virtual offices now. That was another pivot during the pandemic where you can get your mail delivered to our space and we'll open it or scan it and send it back to you. We can answer your phones for you. We have a social membership, which you can attend activities and events at our space and do some general networking. That's fun. For the social membership, how often are you doing events that people can attend nowadays? We do one a week. Okay. At least, yeah. And we also have mastermind groups that we have for people to connect like-minded businesses. So we have a marketing mastermind group. 
So there's about 18 marketing companies and they just share their business ideas and, and network and, and figure out to how to refer business to each other. And we have one for sustainability and one for health and wellness. That's great. That's really brought people together. I have to get in on this. Yes, you need to join. I do. <laughs> it's $75 a month because it's a low entry point. Doable. Yep. One question I'd love to ask all of the guests, which is write the headline five years from now in a glowing feature story about Haven. What would that headline be? Haven is my home away from home. Done. Done and done. Well, Felicia, thank you so much for being my guest. I've been a fan peripherally of what you've been doing, and I'm just so happy to be able to share your story to the audience because I think it's such a cool story of how you even came to be to even start Haven. And I think what you're doing is just so important, and I'm happy to know you. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I love what you're doing, too. I found Felicia's personal backstory inspiring. Hearing her winding path from engineering to marketing to starting her own businesses. Every time she encountered an obstacle, she created a new space for herself, as she put it. It's a really good reminder for anyone who has reached a professional crossroad this year, and we know there were many. Secondly, she started Haven because she couldn't find a space for herself in other co-working places. And that led her to ask the question, well, if I feel this way, how many other people feel this way? It turns out a lot. Part of creating an authentic brand starts with a personal need as the spark to a really great business idea. And third, Felicia and the team at Haven, they built a strong brand that represented how they wanted people to feel, starting with a sunny yet polished logo and a clean, bright site. Their tone is welcoming, informative, and helpful. Their branding checks all the boxes for the intended positioning. I give them an A. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, a brand is only as strong as the tribe who joins it. From day one, Haven knew the importance behind building a community versus just having a building. Yes, there's the welcoming workspace, but there's what I call the surround sound, the stuff that really creates value for members. It's offering a hub of resources to professionals all in one place, setting them up for success. It's the little things like, yeah, the coffee and snacks, but it's the big things like networking events and in-house professionals ready to counsel. That's how brand loyalty is reinforced, offering value at every turn because then you'd feel crazy going somewhere else. As life continues to normalize, we'll appreciate the importance of having a physical space that makes you productive, collaborative, and maintains a level of professionalism. I mean, we've all had those Zooms with the person who looks like they just rolled out of bed, so there's something to be said for having a change of professional scenery. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, Chief Strategist at Brand Kudo, a consultancy with a searing focus on the strategic unlock brands need to compete. People hire me to find patterns others miss, and I turn them into smart creative briefs and content strategies that inspire creative teams to produce their best work. You can learn more at brandcrudo.com. I'd like to thank Felicia Rubenstein, founder of Haven, for sharing her story with us. You can learn more at hayvn.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. It's the only way the podcast grows. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.